This is Friend of the Family, created by C. Paris and is a Strange and Unusual production. Please visit our website at strangeandunusual.com. That's S-T-R-A-N-G-E-N-U-N-U-S-U-A-L.com. Thank you. Congratulations, dear listeners, on daring to experience yet another episode of Friend of the Family. As always, Alice and Asmodeus will fight those terrors that lurk in the darkness so that others may rest easy. But many forget that there can be just as much danger in the daylight, even in something as simple as a game of softball. Hey, batter batter! Easy out, easy out! There's nothing quite as wholesome as a good neighborhood game of softball. Currently, eight kids are indulging in the nation's favorite pastime. The batter up at the plate chokes up on the bat, as the pitcher and catcher exchange signals and then comes the pitch. The pitcher runs for the ball as it flies overhead. The two batters on base run home, scoring one run after another, as the hitter starts his run around the base. Hurry, get the ball! Keep going, run home! The hitters round first base and heads for the second as the pitcher finally catches up to the ball. Scooping it up in his glove, he turns to see that the hitter had already reached third and was heading for home. Running forward, he lobs the ball to the catcher as the hitter slides home. Seconds apart from each other, everyone watches to see who will reach home first. But the hitter's too late. The catcher gets the ball first and slams his foot on the home plate before he finishes slide. He's out! No, I'm not. Um... Yes, yes you are. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm safe. The catcher caught the ball before you touched base, so... I'm safe. 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 Who are you talking to? Nobody. A big fat stupid head. That was uncalled for. I was safe. Yeah, you are safe. You win. I win. Excellent. Let's play again. Again? Do we have to? Yes. Why don't you want to play? Well, we've been playing for eight hours. So? So we're all hungry. Again? Why do you keep getting hungry all the time? We just do. Can we go home now? Why don't you want to come back with me? Is there food? Tons. Promise? The hitter gave a very wide grin. I promise you'll get more food than you could ever ask for. Elsewhere, another child was also at play. Wilhelmina Belford elegantly folded her napkin on her room's tiny table and placed her favorite stuffed animals in the chairs. She then picked up her plastic teapot and brought it over, smiling. Would anyone care for more tea, Lord Bunnington? I'd love some tea, thank you. Mina tipped her teapot over the cup in front of Lord Bunnington, and then moved his arms to simulate him drinking the cup. Mmm, delicious. And how about you, Baroness Ursula? One more cup. Mina served her teddy bear some air from the teapot, which the stuffed animal found quite refreshing. I say, this is a wonderful party. Don't you agree, Mr. Asmodeus? Yes, quite entertaining. Would you like some tea? Tea? (laughs) Oh, I don't drink tea. Really? What do you drink, then? I am a vampire, Lord Bunnyton. I drink the blood of the living. Blood? But surely you don't want to drink our blood? Guess again. Oh, no. Oh, I don't want anyone to drink my blood. You fools! This tea party was a trap. 
Now my third word shall feast upon you. <laughs> I think I will start with you, Baroness. Help! Help me, please! Asmodeus picked up the Baroness Ursula and gazed into the buttons on her face. Look into my eyes and feel your will dissolving. No, no, I mustn't. Look into my eyes and feel your strength weaken. No. Look into my eyes and submit to my control. Yes, my master. What the hell are you doing? Asmodeus took the teddy bear's neck out of his mouth and looked up to see Alice in the doorway, with an angry look on her face. We were playing tea party. What else? Uncle Lawrence wants to see us. But Mr. Asmodeus was about to feast upon the Baroness's blood and turn her into his unholy minion. Later. Let's go. Waving goodbye to Mina, Asmodeus stood up and followed Alice out the door. There was a definite tension in the air as the two of them made their way to Uncle Lawrence's study. Will you stop playing those games with my sister? It's creepy. Mina doesn't seem to mind. Just stop it, or else. (laughs) Oh wait, you're serious. That makes it even funnier. (laughs) I mean it, Azzy. You do remember what happened to the last person who called me that. By now, the two of them had reached Lawrence's office. Alice opened the door, and they entered to find Lawrence at his desk, looking over random papers. He looked up at his two guests and gave his best shot at smiling. Ah, Alice, Asmodeus, come in. Got a case for us? Yes, in fact, this could be the most extraordinary case you'll ever face. Oh? Three days ago, eight children went missing from a community called Harker Heights. Eight at once? That's horrible. That's tragic. Why do we care? Because apparently they vanished from a small park and the last parent had checked on them only half an hour before. Odd, but what makes this my most extraordinary case? Because I think this could be the work of a child, Oberon. A fairy? Really? A bunch of children vanish without a trace, it fits their profile, and it's around the equinox when the barrier between worlds is at its weakest. Don't count on it. The last of them left into the Never Never over 300 years ago. Yes, I know. According to the histories, you had the last documented encounter with one only five generations into your service to our family. Nasty little bastard, too. Turned that hunter, Cornelius Belford, into a statue. I think he's up in the attic somewhere. He got lost in shipping when the family moved to America. Anyway, I want the two of you to get to the bottom of this right away. I am telling you, they are gone. They were vulnerable to iron, so I kept whacking them over the head with a poker until they finally cleared out. I believe it was the Industrial Revolution making ironworks more commonplace that finally got them to leave. This world just became too unpleasant for them. But if that's the case, why would they come back now? There's still as much iron and metal around as ever. That's what I want to find out. They aren't coming back. We're more likely to come across a dragon than we are a fairy. Maybe so, but I think we'd better be prepared. Asmodeus walked over to a nearby fireplace and picked up the poker, testing its balance. That, obviously, goes without saying. And make sure this doesn't end up like the last case you two worked on where little children were involved. Why not? We beat the monster, didn't we? No problem. What about that last little incident with all the noodles? Oh. Well, I mean, at least we were able to blame it on that kid with the striped t-shirt and the stuffed tiger. You should have seen him try and explain that one to his parents. It was priceless. Just go, and try to be discreet for a change. A simple white van sat in front of a typical suburban house. Alice, clad in a business suit with her hair in a bun, exited the house and entered the van. 
I cannot believe she bought it. What? Mrs. Walker was convinced I was a reporter. You look like a librarian from a porn movie waiting for the copy repairman to come and spill oil on his chest. Shut up. According to Mrs. Walker, her son AJ disappeared last week along with the others. Absolutely no sign of any of them since. Sad, but doesn't scream fairy. No, but this does. Two days ago, a strange man Mrs. Walker never saw before came into her house claiming to be her son. She threw him out and called the police, and he hasn't been back since. But she did say there was something familiar about him. Damn. Just when you think all the little bastards have finally left, too. Do you think that man is really AJ? Time runs differently in the Never Never, and coming back to our world makes it go positively screwy. People come back hundreds of years later the same age they left, or minutes later, decades older or younger. A couple of times, they got back before they left and caused a paradox. Those always gave me a headache. Then we'd better find AJ. Come on, I need you to track him. Right now? It's the middle of the day! So bundle up. Bundle up, says the girl who doesn't risk dying every time she goes out into the sun. You're not gonna die, Azzy. There's no way I could be that lucky. For your inform- The mother said he was wearing clothes that didn't fit, right? Yeah, he probably got them off a washing line or something. And long, greasy hair? Yes. Like that guy there, ducky behind the bushes? Hmm. Ow! Hey, watch the door! Excuse me, sir? The man shot up and ran away in a panic. Alice charged after him, slowly gaining ground. After running for almost six blocks, the man started to falter, and Alice seized the opportunity and tackled him to the ground. Tensing up, ready to put down any more resistance, Alice raised her fist as the man curled up and started crying. Why are you hitting me? Uh, um, I... I needed to. I'm telling my mom. AJ? How do you know my name? AJ, is the woman in the house back there your mother? (laughs) The man sniffed and nodded, and Alice helped him up. AJ, I need you to tell me what happened from the very beginning. He told her about meeting a strange new boy who wanted to join his friends and play. He told her how obsessed the stranger was, not letting them stop or go home when they were supposed to. And finally, he told her of the strange and indescribable place the stranger had taken him. It was fun, but I started to miss my mom and wanted to go home. He got angry when I asked and said to forget about her. When I kept asking, he shouted that if I wanted to go home that badly, I could. Then I woke up in the park all old and big, and when I saw my mom, she screamed and called the police. I'm really sorry. I want to go home. Wow, I'm I'm really not sure what to say, AJ, but I promise I'm going to get that kid and make sure this never happens to anyone else. (laughs) You will? Count on it. AJ smiled and then suddenly bent over and started crying out. Ah! What? What? Mm. What is it? It's my pee-pee. Ah. Now every time I see a pretty girl like you, it gets all big and uncomfortable. Oh. Is it cooties? Did somebody give me cooties? No, no, it's it's not cooties. I want to go home. I think you better come with me. AJ nodded and then reached up and hugged Alice, sobbing into her shoulder. Not certain what to do, Alice awkwardly moved her arm and returned the hug. Uh, they're, they're there. There, there. Move your hands. Move move your hands. There, there, there. 
Later, with the sun just setting in the western sky, Alice and Asmodeus made their way through to the park where AJ and his friends had disappeared. Both held long iron rods with very nasty barbs on the end. Asmodeus examined his surroundings carefully. <sighs> the overprotective mothers strike again. What? Look around. Slides, swing sets, monkey bars. Usually the sort of thing that would keep the fairies at bay. But they're all made out of plastic. Exactly. Only thing made of metal are those horseshoes over there. The mothers may have made this place safer from scrapes and broken bones, but they left it wide open for fairy kidnappings. I see what you mean. And if other fairy kidnap victims are like AJ, we may have to do something about it. Really? I didn't think you liked him. I just feel bad for him, that's all. I mean, to go from eight to your mid-thirties all at once? No wonder it messed him up. Oh, God, I guess I need to give him the talk or, or show him some health class videos or something. Videos? People teach that with videos nowadays? Honestly, things are so much simpler when I was alive. My brothers just took me out to the goat paddock during mating season and told me that's what you do to a woman when you get older. That explains a lot. But I am not taking AJ to a goat paddock. Oh, don't worry. I took care of it. What did you do? I showed AJ how to unlock the adult movie channel in our hotel room. What? Bet you anything he's learning a lot more than any health class video will teach him. I, I have to go kill something. The two of them made their way to a field at the other end of the park, where a group of children were playing hide-and-go-seek. Many were laughing with the pure joy of childish play, catching those last few moments before their mothers came looking for them. Could one of them be? Possibly. Wait for it. The children playing the game ran and hid while one of them closed his eyes and counted. Some dove into nearby bushes, others fled to the boxes and concealed themselves underneath the slides. But one boy proved more enterprising. Giggling at his own cleverness, he skillfully climbed up a nearby tree and- Shh! He'll give me away! Ah, he's finally useful for something. What? Nothing. It's that kid over there. The children poked their heads out and stared as Asmodeus and Alice made their way to the petulant child pouting in the tree. The young girl who'd been it stopped in her tracks. The happy childlike energy that had pervaded their playing had suddenly vanished. Okay, kids, game's over. Time to go home. But we were just... Now! The children scattered. The fairy scowled. I'm not done playing. Yes, you are. You're done, Tinkerbell. We're giving you one chance to go back where you came from before we toss you back there ourselves. You must be very brave to speak to me that way if you know what I am. Brave is the human word for stupid, right? Zing. Silence! You and your wench would be wise to leave now before... Excuse me, his wench? You should be so lucky. How dare you ignore me! I am no mere fay. I am Prince Madlushko Radkora of the ethereal realms of Kobor, master of the ephemeral heir of Winslot, ruler of the all-seeing eye of- The fairy continued to rattle off one title after another while- How dare you! I will not be interrupted by a big, fat, stupid head! There's no way to shut him up, trust me. What? Look, here's the deal, Prince Mud. My name is- Whatever. We know what you are. And we also know how much you hate iron. So if you don't want this iron rod inserted somewhere unpleasant, I suggest you clear off. You think your iron scares me? I think it's time you and I have a little fun. The fairy jumped off the tree ledge and glided down to the ground. Alice adopted a fighting stance, gripped her poker, and lunged. Sir, 
A burst of flame shot out of the fairy's hands, snaking towards Alice like fiery ribbons of death. Alice ground to a halt and held her poker up defensively. Upon contact with the cold, unmagical iron, the flames vanished in a fit of impossibility. You'll have to do better than that. I intend to. This time laughing, strange otherworldly lightning crackled in the fairy's hands before shooting towards Alice. But the magical nature of the lightning could not stand the iron poker. And again, the fairy's magic proved ineffective. You humans and your stupid iron. Last chance, Mud. My name is Prince Mudlushko. Whatever! Alice lunged forward again, determined to impale the fairy on her iron poker. But before she could reach him... The root of a tree shot up from the ground, catching her by the foot and causing her to fall back to the ground. Oof. A second root shot up and lashed at her hand, causing her to drop the poker. More and more roots began erupting from the ground, wrapping themselves around her until she could not move. She opened her mouth to yell for help, but the roots closed around her face so that she could barely see, and with each passing moment, she found it harder and harder to breathe. It seems Alice has met her match. See? Even the big, fat, stupid head knows how foolish it is to oppose me. You know, I find that name very offensive. Silence! Let all other mortals take heed that none shall oppose Prince Madlushko Radkora of the ethereal realms of Kobor, master of- My god, you're annoying! The fairy, reeling from the blow as Modius had struck with his iron rod, wobbled and hit the ground. Whistling merrily to himself, Asmodeus then turned the fairy over, pulled out a horseshoe he'd picked up, and thrust it hard into the ground, pinning the fairy's arm. Still whistling, Asmodeus used three other horseshoes on the fairy's other arm and feet. The fairy writhed beneath the horseshoes, in pain, and unable to break free. Now then, here's what's going to happen. You're going to swear an oath to return all the children you kidnapped from this park, and return them all the same age as they left. You will swear that you'll perform this task the moment I release you. You will also promise that immediately after fulfilling this oath, you will return immediately to the Never Never and never come back here again. You... you're a vampire. A creature of death and destruction. Why do you care what happens to a few mortal children? I have my reasons. You're that vampire, aren't you? The one stupid enough to- I'm the vampire with an iron rod who is going to keep poking you until you do what I want. Very well. I swear that once you release me from these bindings, I shall return all the children I stole from this park, and that they shall be returned the same age they left. And? And that I shall never come back here again. Let's see, was there anything else? I feel as though I'm forgetting something. Oh, right. You better promise to release her or I'll never hear the end of it when I get home. Very well. I swear that I shall release her once I regain my freedom. Satisfied. Ecstatic. Asmodeus pulled the horseshoes up from the ground. The fairy rubbed his wrists, which had blackened as if horribly burned. I won't forget this. I'm sure you won't. In a flash of light, the fairy vanished and in his place... A confused group of small children stood, blinking. Alice shot up. The roots tying her down suddenly vanished and gasped for air. <gasps> Asmodeus stood back, 
and looked smug. What? What happened? Sorry, kids. It's time to go home. The next day, the missing children safely returned to their overjoyed parents. Alice and Asmodeus happily returned to the Belford Mansion. Well, one of them was happier than the other. Still, Uncle Lawrence congratulated them both on doing a superb job with no cause for complaint. Well, one cause for complaint. I don't know what was more disturbing, the vein that kept throbbing at Uncle Lawrence's temple, or the way he broke down sobbing. When he was yelling at us, there were a couple of times I swear his voice went higher than a dog's hearing range. I swear, it can't be natural for your face to turn purple like that. So, what bill do you think was higher, the pay-per-view charges or the carpet cleaning? Who cares? At least this way nobody has to give AJ the sex talk. Yes, thank you. That made things so much better. Now, instead of a confused man with urges he doesn't understand, we have a hormonal maniac who keeps trying to grab my breasts. Do I want to know what a steamy sarsaparilla is? I highly doubt it. So where is the little Casanova? Staying in a guest suite. He can't go home to his mother, especially now. So we'll have to let him stay in the mansion until we figure out what to do with him. I could have a talk with him. You've done enough. Now, if you'll excuse me, I am going to take a nice, long shower, and then... What was that? I don't know, but it came from your family suite. The two of them raced down the corridor, passing confused family members on either side, crashing through door after door until they finally came to a small bedroom filled with dolls, stuffed animals, and the fairy holding a struggling Mina in his tight grip. Mina! Hello again. I had such a fun time with the two of you yesterday. I just had to come and meet your family, particularly this cute little girl. She seems like so much fun. Hey, you cannot do this. You swore an oath never to come back here again. Indeed I did, and I fear I shall never be able to visit that lovely little park again. Fortunately, there are so many other places in the mortal realm just filled with potential playmates. Oh, you son of a- Let her go. I swear you people are worse than lawyers. Lawyers! Let her go. Or what? Even with your precious iron, you were no match for me. And as for you- The fairy turned to Asmodeus, who had been slowly inching around towards the fairy's back. He waved his hand and sent Asmodeus flying to the other side of the room. Asmodeus struggled, but was pinned against the wall by invisible forces, far too powerful to overcome. You cannot sneak up on me twice, vampire, and this time you have no accursed horseshoes. Please, just let my sister go. How touching! There are few things more moving than a young woman's concern for her younger sister. A fierce wind picked up in the room, coming from all directions at once, as the fairy and Mina levitated off the ground. The fairy grinned as he reached into one of his sleeves and produced a handheld mirror. You took away all my playthings yesterday, so I will have to make do with this one. But if you'd like to come visit her in the Never Never, then simply speak her name into this mirror and you shall join her. Just think of all the fun the three of us can have. Until then... No! Wait! With a clap of thunder and a flash of light, Mina and the fairy disappeared. Asmodeus fell to the floor as Alice cried out in anger and frustration. Mina! Bring her back, dammit! Bring her back! Damn. I was really looking forward to doing her in a few years. <coughs> a few hours later, once the rest of the family had pried Alice's fingers from Asmodeus's throat and learned what had happened, Nobody could speak from the shock of losing one of the family's youngest members. 
Finally, Marjorie Belford took control, and organized a council of herself, Alice, Asmodeus, and Uncle Lawrence to decide what to do next. I say, Azzy and I load up on iron, go through the mirror, and don't stop kicking fairy butt until we get her back. You'll be going alone if you keep calling me Azzy. In fact, you'll be going alone anyway because there's no chance in hell I'd follow you there. What? The big bad vampire is afraid of a few fairies? This big bad vampire had to save your ass from just one fairy, or did you forget that? Stop it, both of you. Alice, it's not that simple. Mina is in the never-never. You can't bring iron to the never-never. That's why the Fae moved there in the first place. So we'll go in without iron. I don't care. We'll figure something out when we get there. No. What? No, it's too dangerous. You're not going. But she's your great-granddaughter. Oh, did you think I forgot that? I loved Mina as only a great-grandmother can. But now she is held in a place completely ruled by our enemy, where you can take no weapon to help you. As desperately as I wish otherwise, the fact is that she is lost to us. But, okay, there has to be something we can do. Don't the Fae have any other weaknesses? Games, I suppose. Fairies are obsessed with games and can never turn down a wager. That's it, then. I'll challenge him to a game and get Mina back that way. How do you know you'd win? And even if you did, how could you make sure he couldn't weasel his way out of it? Without iron, you have no leverage. Is it just iron? Is there anything else? Well, according to a few of the family histories, there are a few other substances the fairies find unpleasant. Nickel, cobalt, certain minerals, but only iron is truly effective against them. Is that it? That's it, I'm afraid. Oh well, so sad. Bye-bye, Mina, you shall be missed. Can I go now? Sit down, Fangboy. But- I think I might have a plan. In less than an hour, the preparations were complete, and Alice held the mirror in her hand. She studied her reflection as she gripped the package under her arm, going over the plan one more time in her mind. You don't really expect us to do this, do you? Yeah! Okay, this no reflection thing is just too creepy. I know she's your sister, but come on, this is crazy. Just stick to the plan. But your plan sucks. I hate your plan. I hate you. And if we do this, we're both going to die. Or worse, I'm not doing it. Yes, Asmodeus, you're doing it. Goddamn crazy motherfucker. Mina. A strange, otherworldly light shone from the mirror. Dim at first, but getting stronger and stronger, until Alice and Asmodeus had to close their eyes. There was a loud, sudden pop, and when they opened their eyes again, they found themselves in the never-never. A place so different, so strange, so other that it... that... that it defied any attempt at human description. That's it? Talk about a cop-out. I feel so weird. Dots of light suddenly zipped around their heads, flickering around them too fast for them to focus. They flew around excitedly, tittering. Look! What is this? Mortals! Now this one, he reeks of death! Vampire! A vampire and a mortal here? It must be them! What fun! Alice tried to fight her disorientation as... Oh no! It's him! The big fat stupid head! I'm not a... His voice! So dull and lifeless it fills us with despair! Why must the big fat stupid head torture us so? Is there anyone who likes you? Genius is just not appreciated in its time. Make him stop! Make the big fat stupid head stop! Uh... Having finally regained her composure, Alice turned her head to the floating sprites and blinked. Hello, my name is Alice. I'm here to... We know why you're here! The prince said that you would come! He's been waiting for you. 
then where is he? Come, come! They traveled a great distance, and yet stood still, as they moved through the never-never to the prince's domain. Alice felt the strongest sense of vertigo, and once again had to struggle to keep her composure, even Asmodeus was affected by the sheer strangeness of it all. When they regained their senses, they found themselves in a clearing near a long table, around which sat Mina, the fairy, and a very large barren rabbit. More tea, Lord Bunnington? Yes, thank you. This is so delightful. What did you say, Baroness Ursula? Oh, yes, quite lovely. May I have one more scone? Certainly. And what about you, Mr. Fairy? My name is not Mr. Fairy. It's Prince Madlushka Rodkora of the... Oh, but it's such a long name to remember. Couldn't we call you Mr. Fairy for short? No, you will address me by my full name. Now, see here, old boy, that's hardly proper behavior for a tea party. Well, I'm tired of tea parties. I want to do something else. But the party isn't over. I want to do something else. But we aren't finished with the tea. We have to finish the tea. No, no more tea. Having fun. Mr. Asmodeus! Alice! Mina leapt out of the chair and ran to them. Alice, having regained her sense of balance, hugged her sister warmly. Can we go home now? He doesn't even know how to play tea party. Oh, thank Oberon, you're- I mean, so you're here, are you? How very brave and foolish for you to come. With a wave of the fairy's hand, Lord Bunnyton and Baroness Ursula disappeared from the table as did all the tea. The fairy turned and grinned. Yeah, yeah, we're completely helpless, totally in your power, etc. And there's no iron to help you. Right, no iron. So if you wanted, you could keep us here forever as your playthings. Exactly. Well, maybe not all of you. But yes, by coming here, you have become my puppets. But doesn't that take the fun out of it? Where's the sport in defeating some powerless puppets? Why don't we make things more interesting? What do you propose? You, me, and Asmodeus play a game. If you win, we stay. If we win, we go home and take Mina with us. Two against one? Hardly fair. But if you win, you get two playthings, not just one. So it's even. Hmm. Try as I might, I just can't turn down a challenge. What is the game then? One of your human games? Chess? Cards? A sport, perhaps? None of the above. Alice put the package on the table and pulled out the contents. This is the game we're going to play. And I should warn you, I've never lost it once. The three of them played the game for hours, each battling fiercely to win. Each of them tried new strategies, abandoned those that failed, searching fiercely for the edge that would put them ahead. Finally, Alice saw the chance that she'd been looking for and prepared to end the game once and for all when the fairy suddenly stopped her. I have it! Professor Plum, in the dining room, with the candlestick. Alice and Asmodeus watched with dread as the fairy opened the block envelope and pulled out the three cards he had just named. The game was over, and they had lost. Brilliant plan, Alice. Simply brilliant. But how- there are- Wait a minute! I have the candlestick card in my hand! There's two candlestick cards! You must have changed them with magic! It doesn't say you can't use magic on the box. Of course you can't use magic! That's cheating! So? There is always cheat. We can't help it that we're better at it than you mortals. But- 
The game is over. It doesn't matter how I won. I won, and the three of you are mine. Now it's time to play with my new toys. I think I'll start with the vampire. Chains of yellow energy suddenly appeared everywhere, crackling as they bound Asmodeus to the chair. As he writhed in pain, Alice slowly made her way around the fairy. Chains of pure sunlight. I figured this would pay you back for the iron horseshoes. Don't worry, Alice. Your turn will come soon. How about now? Moving with lightning-frast reflexes, Alice took out the weapon she'd hidden in her sleeve. It was a metal spike, covered in wires with a switch on the top. She impaled it into the fairy's chest. The fairy twitched slightly, but other than that showed no notice. Nickel? Hmm. It tingles. Stinks a bit, maybe. But it's not iron. Only iron works. Nothing else will save you. I guess we're about to find out. Alice flicked the switch, and the fairy cried out in searing pain. <laughs> the sunlight chains around Asmodeus vanished, and the entire world seemed to throb in agony. The entire never-never was hurting from the intrusion of this foreign substance. What is this? This is worth an iron. Make it stop. Make it stop. Promise to send us home. I promise to send you home. Promise to return us to the same place and time where we left the same ages as we are now. I promise to return you exactly as you were, where, and when I took you. And promise that you will never again visit the mortal world. I promise. I, Prince Modlushko Rodkor, of the ethereal realms, of Kobor, master of the ephemeral Oberon's cock. I swear on my name and titles to never visit your world again. Alice turned off the switch, and the fairy gasped in pain, catching his breath. Alice pulled the spike out and looked expectantly. It appears I grievously underestimated you. That happens. Go then. May I never see you again. That's the plan. The fairy waved his hands angrily, and the three of them vanished from the never-never and returned to Mina's room, where Grams and Uncle Lawrence were waiting. Mina! Grammy! Oh, Mina, I thought I'd lost you. They did it! Grammy, the mean fairy took me, but then Mr. Asmodeus came to save me. Yeah, wait, wait, what? No problem, all in a day's work. Hold on a second. I'm the one Of course, who- I couldn't do it without Alice's help. Okay, yes, I could have, but, but hopefully she learned a thing or two. You slimy son of a- That was quite a plan you had, Alice. An electromagnet made out of nickel, giving it the strength of iron. This is truly a grand day in the family's history. Just make sure you record who came up with the idea. Don't worry, I'll be sure to set them straight. <sighs> All was well and normal in the Belford Mansion once again. Mina having been returned and Alice and Asmodeus back at each other's throats. The day, for now, had been saved, and a terrible threat had been dealt with. That night, all the Belfords could sleep soundly, knowing that the danger had at last been overcome. For now. (laughs) For now, dear listeners. For now. And I am not a big, fat, stupid head. This is Friend of the Family, created by C. Paris and is a strange and unusual production. Please visit our website at strangeandunusual.com. That's S-T-R-A-N-G-E-N-U-N-U-S-U-A-L dot com. Thank you.